Hello, Tomoka. Uh, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful time. Uh, just got a couple of quick logistical things and some other things to talk about real quick. But uh, first off, I just want to tell you, very honored, very humbled to have you. I'm going to say a prayer and then we'll talk. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you for praise and worship. We thank you and praise you for those songs about exchange. What an incredible God you are, that your plan was foolproof. There's no failure in you, God. And you created a system that we are allowed to give away pain, and you give us joy. And that we are allowed to give away fear, and you give us peace. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, thank you, thank you for the ability to have this exchange. Now bless us, Lord, as we go forward in this service. Give us the spirit of wisdom, of discernment. Open the eyes of our hearts that we might see. Father, we thank you now ahead of time for the victory we're about to receive because of the power that is in your word. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say it. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, yesterday was Martin Luther King Jr. Celebration Day. So we're just going to talk about that a little bit because I just want to clarify a couple things about the great Martin Luther King. First off, he was a pastor. I need you to understand that. Most times we read about him or talk about him, he's always referred to as a civil rights leader. <clears throat> he was a pastor. Matter of fact, he was somebody who at a super young age gathers masters of divinity. This is a great man of God. So more than being a civil rights leader, he was a biblical rights leader. So sometimes when we just label him civil rights, we can kind of push back on that. We can kind of push that information away. We can push back on what we call his speeches instead of calling them sermons. Well, we know when we understand this, if he's a biblical rights teacher, then that should cause us to pause a little bit about some of the things that he said or some of the things that he talked about and would allow us to understand he didn't teach outside of the Bible. He taught from within the B-I-B-L-E. Hopefully that makes sense to you today. So from now on, I want you to refer to him not just as a civil rights leader and a guy who gave a bunch of speeches. I want you to refer to him as a biblical rights teacher or speaker and he gave sermons and once you go back and revisit some of those you'll see the integrity of the word of god in the things that he taught and shared i'm just going to read you a couple quick quotes from the reverend martin luther king he says here he says we are called to speak for the weak for the voiceless for those Whose hands can't make anything. We are called to help our brothers and sisters who are less than us. Another one. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. A man dies when he refuses to take a stand for that which is true. I love this one. 
and it's important for us to get. The most dangerous criminal may be the man gifted with reason, but with no morals. I'm going to read that one again. The most dangerous criminal may be the man gifted with reason, but with no morals. And last but not least, Martin Luther King, the Reverend Martin Luther King said, I was not afraid of the words of the violent, but of the silence of the honest. So, brothers and sisters, I need you to revisit him. Don't look at him as though he was just a civil rights leader, because whatever he stood for, for me, he stood for for you. Because in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, God created every person from one person. Every nation from one man. So hear me. We're all brothers and sisters to each other. We may be somewhat distant, but we're all brothers and sisters to each other because we all came from one creation. We all came from Adam and we all came from Eve. All of us. If anybody didn't come from Adam or Eve, then they came from another planet. That person is an alien. <laughs> so I need us to get this. We have to learn how to perceive each other as we really are biblically. We are brothers and sisters. And I thank God for Martin Luther King fighting that cause. I need you to pick up the mantle and continue to move it forward. Everybody cool with that? Praise the Lord. You got a real good like little history lesson today that you can share with your kids and share with your friends about the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Well, let's continue on with this series that we're working on, the year of the Lord's favor. You know, in this particular series, we talked about <clears throat> the fact that when Isaiah prophesied this particular event in Isaiah chapter 61, he, he was talking about a year, a certain time limit of time. Whenever they would do the sacrifices back in the Old Testament, they would cleanse the sinner for one year. So when they would sacrifice a bull or a goat or animal, that cleansing was for one year. The next year they had to bring another lamb or another goat to the sacrificial system to be cleansed again. So when Jesus comes along and he's standing there and Jesus begins to quote this same prophetic verse... He changes the length of period of time for this because Jesus now is eternal. He's going to be eternal. He cannot, he will not die. He's going to be killed, but he's going to be resurrected and he's going to move forward. So listen to me. I need you to know this is no longer just a calendar year. This is a eternal time period that we enter into the Lord's favor. When they made the sacrifice in the Old Testament, those people entered into the Lord's favor for one year. Are y'all understanding me? They were cleansed and they entered into the favor for one year. Then they accumulated all these sins that they'd have to cleanse again the next year. How many times is Jesus going to die? Once. And who is he dying for? For all. Everybody with me so far? So let's go to a verse that really begins to point this out to us. Again, it says the exchange is what we're talking about today. The sister songs were so beautiful, even the rugged cross. We're going to exchange it one day for a crown. <laughs> and even for 24-7, we're going to change our sorrows, our tribulations for peace and joy. So those songs were actually perfectly appropriate. 
So the exchange, in this particular case, we're going to talk about today, a crown of beauty for ashes. A crown of beauty for ashes. Let's go to our first verse, which is Luke chapter 4. And this in the Amplified Translation. Y'all ready to have some fun? I just want to make sure that you're ready to have some fun. So whatever was distracting you a minute ago, whatever had your attention a minute ago, stop. Just sit down. If you need a notebook, paper, and pencil, take some notes. Let's really get into this because I'm telling you it's going to bless you. Because we're talking about making an exchange, and some of us really need to make an exchange right now. Some of us are carrying some incredible fear, incredible hurt, incredible anger, incredible confusion. We're carrying some stuff that we're not supposed to carry. So we're going to talk about exchanging that stuff today. Everybody cool with that? Praise the Lord. Let's, let's read Luke chapter 4, beginning to read at verse number 16. So he came to Nazareth, this is Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. My wife and I, when we went to Israel on our mission trip, we stood in what they said would have been the synagogue. And my wife, I have a picture of my wife unrolling a scroll and reading from it like Jesus did on that particular day. So it says the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release Pardon, forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the favor of the Lord abound greatly. We know when that day is, right? That's when he dies and resurrects. When he dies for us, all that stuff will abound greatly. Then he rolled up the scroll, having stopped in the middle of the verse, gave it back to the attendant and sat down to teach. And the eyes of all those in the synagogue were attentively fixed on him. He began speaking to them. Listen to how profound this is. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. So Jesus has just proclaimed to these people that the year, the favorable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor has begun. It has started because I am here. I am the one that has been anointed. I am the one that has been sent to tell this good news. So my question to you today as we go forward, have you received the good news? And if you have, what's happening to you right now? See, when it says he's going to free the captives, he's going to free these people. We're not just talking about physical captivity. 
We're talking about mental and emotional and sometimes spiritual captivity. You can actually be under the bondage of wrong spiritual guidance. You can be under the bondage of false misleading information that causes you to fear a particular situation or circumstances that somebody told you is on the way. So I'm, I need you to hear me today. It's either you accept what Jesus says or you fall victim to what man or the world says. Those are only two choices. They're not like multiple choices. It's either you accept and stand on the fact that Jesus said that time is here right now. So if you accept that, then it changes how you face or deal with the situations that come along along the way. I know right now there are some folks blowing the wind of fear. But that's not what Jesus said in that verse, did he? He came to set us free. Did he do that? Or if he didn't, then let's turn this building into a downhill bowling alley because there wouldn't be any other reason for it. It's either he did it or he didn't. Is anybody hearing me today? And I need you to make sure that you make that simple, profound decision. Is Jesus who he says he is? And did he do what he said he was supposed to do? So did he fulfill that scripture? You can't say, well, he fulfilled it for them. No, it has to be for you. You are those them right now. (laughs) That's bad English, but you understand what I mean. You have to know that he did it for you. Does this make sense to you today? Can you... Can you kind of shod your feet in the gospel of this peace? Can you dig in in this and make your stand against the trials and tribulations of the world based on this information? We're going to take a walk through biblical history. We're going to go to the book of Esther and we're going to talk about this kind of situation in real life. These events that took place and the reactions that were needed in this particular situation. So let's just take this real life walk Back through the book of Esther. We're going to begin to read in Esther chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now when Mordecai learned of everything that had been done, he tore his clothes in mourning. And he put on sackcloth and ashes. And went out into the center of the city and cried out loudly and bitterly. So, Mordecai had heard what plans there were for the Jews, that Haman had had these plans to destroy and kill all of the Jews. Mordecai finds himself in this position of mourning. He took off his regular everyday clothes and he put on sackcloth and ashes. Ashes, a symbol of mourning, a symbol of bitterness, a symbol of brokenness. So here he is. Upon hearing this news, his reaction to hearing that news is to put on sackcloth and ashes. Are y'all hearing me today? See, some of you got on sackcloth and ashes right now. You just don't know it. You think you're wearing your Nike sweatshirt. No, (laughs) you're actually dressed in sackcloth and you got ashes on your head because you are in mourning over a situation or circumstance. You're in mourning, and that mourning is causing you to be fearful, sometimes hateful, disillusioned, and angry. Are y'all following me today? 
And this is where Mordecai finds himself. Let's read on. It says, he went only as far as the king's gate because no one was to enter the king's gate dressed in sackcloth. I don't know if y'all understand how beautiful of a, a message that is in that scripture. The word of God tells us to go boldly into the throne room of God. We know God sent Jesus to release us, to free us, to give us good news. He was anointed to do that. So how do we enter into the, the, the king of kings presence? How do we enter into the throne room of God? How do we enter? We can't enter there in sackcloth and ashes because he took care of the sackcloth and ashes situation when he sent Jesus. When Jesus got up out of the tomb, you should have changed your clothes then. Because you no longer needed to walk in sackcloth. You no, need, no longer needed to walk in ashes. Because you have been set free. Jesus had changed the complete paradigm of how we live as Christians. Somebody say amen. So it's important for us to understand, even in this story, you couldn't go into the king's presence mourning. Because the king wasn't, he wasn't dealing with that. So you shouldn't enter into this, this relationship in mourning. You have to make an exchange. Give away your fear, man. Stop. It's either God is going to finish his plan or he's not. But we know what the Bible says. And the Bible says we as Christians, we don't lose. So who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the pundits that keep saying there's doom coming? Doom, doom, doom. Are you going to believe that God said he came to give us good news? I don't know know about you. I know good news when I hear it. We need to be able to do the same. Is this making sense today? Let's read on a little bit further. It says in each and every province that the decree and the law of the king reached, there was great what? Mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping and wailing and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. So these people were broken. Hear me. They were broken because the decree was greater than their faith in God. They forgot the promise of God. These are Jews who know that God had chose them himself. But they forgot that. They, they couldn't put that together. So when they get the decree of the king, they put the power of the physical king over the spiritual king of kings. Is anybody hearing me today? How about you? Are you putting the message that you hear above the message of the king of kings? There is nobody on this planet who is greater than Jesus. He is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. So what is his message to you? Nothing will separate you from my love. When God is for you, who can be against you? And we can go on and on. But I need you to get this today. The people forgot who they were. And because they did, they heard the voice of this pessimism. And they accepted it. And they acted in fear. And they all began to mourn, put on sackcloth and ashes. What are you wearing right now? (laughs) What are you wearing? On that night, the king... Could not sleep. 
This is Esther chapter 2. I mean chapter 6, sorry. We moved to Esther chapter 6. So it says, on that night the king could not sleep. So he ordered that the book of records and the memorial deeds, the chronicles be brought and they were read before the king. I'm having fun with this. I hope you're understanding. (laughs) There was a reason the king couldn't sleep. Because God wanted him to remember something greater than the stuff he had been told to make the decree. Somebody came and told him some negative stuff to make him make the decree. But God would not let him sleep until he read something that would restore or change what he was already operating on. So the king had the information already there. Oh, I don't think y'all hear me today. The information that was needed for the king was already there. It was already written. It was written in the chronicles. It was written in the books. The information he needed was already written. There's a book we have called the B-I-B-L-E. It's already written, brothers and sisters. It's already there. Read it because in there, the Bible will tell you. It will tell you who wins this thing. Who is victorious? Jesus cannot be defeated. He said hell would never prevail over the church. Who is the church? We are the church. So I don't care what things look like. We win. Now, Mordecai and the Jews are reacting to what things look like. And because of that, they were wearing sackcloth and ashes. But oh, God is not done, is he? He won't let the king sleep. Listen listen to it. It says, it was found written there how Mordecai had reported that Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who were doorkeepers, had planned to attack King Xerxes. The king said, what honor or distinction has been given Mordecai for this? I'm about ready to dance because I don't know if you can see this thing. It says, listen, Mordecai is outside the gate because the voice of pessimism, the voice of fear, he has heard it louder than anything. God is the way maker. It says in the song, even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you don't know it, he's working. Mordecai is outside the gate in sackcloth and ashes. God is inside the king's gate changing his circumstances. He's going to remind the king of the goodness of Mordecai. God will never let you go. He said nothing will separate you from his love. Nothing. I hope you're saying amen at home. The king said, what honor or distinction has been given Mordecai for this? Then the king's servants who attended him said... Nothing has been done for him. (laughs) So the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to ask the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows, which he had prepared for him. I I am going to dance right back over here around the podium and then dance back over here to the thing. Because if you are not getting this, you're you're, you're, something's wrong. 
Something is definitely wrong. (laughs) Haman had plans for destruction of the Jews and Mordecai. But God had a greater plan. Haman's plan will never work. The very thing that he decided to hang Mordecai on, he's about to get real familiar with. But I need you to understand, where is all this stuff taking place? The king read something. He was reminded of the good that Mordecai has done. The king has already changed his mind. Haman doesn't know that. Mordecai doesn't know that. God has already changed his mind, y'all. We're living in the year of the Lord's favor. And I'm trying to get you to realize that. I'm trying to get you to open up your mind and your heart to know God doesn't fail. So even when you can't see it, he is behind the doors, changing the circumstances, changing hearts, changing minds. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) It says, the king's servant said to him, look, Haman is standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. So Haman came in and the king said to him, oh, this is some good stuff right here. (laughs) What is to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? Now, Haman thought to himself, whom would the king desire to honor more than me? The enemy of God doesn't have the power or the ability to know what God already knows. The king is going to honor Mordecai because that's already in his mind and in his heart. The enemy heard of the honor and thought about himself. There are people who think more about themselves than they do you or the glory of God. Those are the people blowing the winds of pessimism and doubt and fear. But here's Haman now thinking the king is asking for something good. He got to be thinking about me. You know that we can think more highly of ourselves sometimes than we ought to. Hmm. Praise the Lord. So Haman said to the king, for the man whom the king desires to honor, let a royal robe be brought, which the king has worn. And the horse on which the king has written and on whose head a royal crown has been placed. And let the robe and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials. Let him dress the man whom the king delights to honor in the royal robe and lead him on horseback through the open square of the city. God has put a robe on you. God has a crown of beauty for you. God has this beautiful kingly horse for you to ride on. But you're going to have to exchange your sackcloth and ashes for these things. You got to make up your mind today. (laughs) Just in this story. Haman is thinking that he's preparing a robe, a crown, and a horseback ride for himself. The evil people 
plan for evil. And they can never think about anybody but themselves. So he thinks this is for him. But he's planning it. And he doesn't know for Mordecai. I need you to know something today, brothers and sisters. God does not forget you. Jesus said, not anybody will slip out of his hands. Not anybody will be forgotten. Good news? Well, we're almost done. It says, and proclaim before him, this is what shall be done for the man whom the king desires to honor. Then the king said to Haman, boy, you had to, I would love to have been there, a fly on the wall to hear, to see that reaction. It said, then the king said to Haman, quickly take the royal robe and the horse, as you have said, and do this for Mordecai the Jew. Woo, Jesus. Who is sitting at the king's gate. Leave out nothing of all that you have said. So Haman took the royal robe. And the horse and dressed Mordecai. Dressed Mordecai. Why? Because Mordecai had to give up his sackcloth and ashes. You're going to have to give up mourning for joy. You're going to have to give up that, that, that fear for strength. You got to give it away. So Haman, the ultimate enemy to Mordecai, just dressed the brother in a royal robe. About to mount him on a horse and about to lead him through the community, through the streets, yelling out in front of him. This is the man whom the king has honored. I'm here to tell you today, be ready for a horseback ride because God is leading you through. And the world is going to know that the body of Christ will be honored. The body of Christ will have its throne. The body of Christ will lead the world. We will be marching down every street. In this country and in the world, because God has decided to remove sackcloth and ashes from us. But you've got to make that exchange. We're almost done. So Haman took the royal robe and the horse and dressed Mordecai and led them on horseback through the open square of the city, proclaiming before him, this is what shall be done for the man whom the, the, whom the king desires to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman hurried to his own house. Wait a minute. <laughs> Haman had went into the gate. He went into the king's presence. He went into the king's court because he didn't have sackcloth and ashes. But I guess what, guess what Haman got right now? Since he had to do that for Mordecai, Haman got sackcloth and ashes. He didn't return to the king's gate. Mordecai can now return to the king's gate because he's changed his clothes. Have you changed yours? What are you wearing, brothers and sisters? Are you wearing fear and doubt and pessimism and the oh, woe is me? Stop. Exchange that stuff for a crown of beauty. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his own house, mourning, mourning, and with his head covered in sorrow. Do you see the exchange? Then Haman told Zeresh and his wife and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wife, excuse me, then his wise counselors, I don't know how wise they are. Then his wise counselors and his wife, Zeresh, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall in status, is of Jewish heritage, you will not overcome him, but will certainly fall before 
him. When God is for you, who can be against you? I said, when God is for you, who can be against you? So when the enemy is lining up his plan to attack the body of Christ, guess what? God himself, Jesus, who died, resurrected, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. As the sister sang today, 24-7, 24-7. That's what it is. He's there 24-7, not just one year, but eternally until he decides to come back and then we change the whole story again. But hear me, we can't lose. We don't lose. So the evil is planning evil. But God, who is the greatest of planners, is planning our ride on a royal horse. Our ride with a royal robe. Our ride with a crown of beauty. But you're going to have to make this exchange. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs, Attendants arrived and hurriedly brought Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. Now, we know what happened at the banquet, right? Haman received his final output. So I have another verse here. I'm not going to read it because I think we've done enough. I need you to know something. You know what? I'm going to read that last verse. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing, no thing, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. So God knew Haman's plan. God knows the plan of evil men today. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So when the winds of chaos and fear and evil and projected evil blow, go to the king, go to the throne room, go stand there. And guess what? He will take care of the evil. Mordecai didn't do anything to Haman. Mordecai didn't have any plans for Haman. Did he? No. And you don't have to either because we have a God who protects us 24-7. We have a God that does just that. And I need you to grasp that today. So do me a favor. Exchange. Exchange your fear. Exchange it. Give it away. For peace. Exchange your doubt for strength. Because when we are weak, then he is strong. So I want to thank you today for hanging out with us, for being a part of this particular service. I pray, God, that this sermon has been a benefit to you as we continue 
in this year of the Lord's favor, the exchange. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for this time that you have given us. And we pray right now, Lord, that some shoulders have been lifted up. Some downtrodden spirits have been lifted. Some folks have undressed themselves. They have exchanged sackcloth and ashes for a royal robe. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Oh, and we are excited, Lord. We are ready to ride through every city, every country, every place, proclaiming the year of our Lord's favor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who heard and agreed says, Amen. Looking forward to seeing you next week. God bless you. Have a great day.